6.30 Chad presents The Elks This Week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game. From the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 6.30 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. Zeros on the board. Certainly not on the scoreboard, though. 59-15, the final score. The uh, Edmonton Elks lose to the BC Lions. Well, we didn't play any any defense whatsoever. We couldn't tackle. We couldn't line up. We didn't man cover. We didn't pressure. We didn't peel on the back. I mean, there were so many uh, there were so many errors that it's hard to even start uh, anytime they have as many first downs as they had. We we've got to correct what we saw defensively. That's the number one priority. And you know, you never want to lose like this. But at the same time, Chris, do, do things become abundantly clear to you when you lose uh, in this fashion? Well, I mean, again, uh, you know, I thought special teams-wise, we did a couple of decent things. We we, we kind of got a little bit lax uh, later on in the kickoff return area. Uh, you know, we've got to continue to battle. But, I mean, it uh, you know, what it allows you to do is evaluate who can truthfully pass rush, who can cover, who can who can uh, have some wherewithal about them. And, and so uh, the second half, we, we got some uh, we got some things answered. Yeah, I was going to ask you, can you take a lot of the second half? It's almost like the tale of two halves where, Yes, the first half, I mean, it was a lopsided score. Second half, you're outscored 17 to 9, but it seemed like things settled down in all areas. Yeah, well, we, you know, we just still turned the ball over too many times, yeah. even in the second half. You know, I mean, we, we have the turnovers, which gives some short fields and things of that nature. So we, uh, we've got a long way to go, but it's a long season. There it is, Chris Jones from our. Uh post-game show Saturday night in Vancouver. Uh, good evening, everybody. Morley Scott on the Elks this week with you. 59-15, the final score. The BC Lions over the Edmonton Elks on Saturday night. Wow. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody expected that. Uh, you know, no one was locked in on a win for sure, but no one expected that kind of a score and that kind of a lopsided game, but that is what we got. And season opener to forget for the Elks Saturday in Vancouver. Full credit to the Lions though, dominating performance on the field and a win for their marketing team as well during that game. They created a great atmosphere both in and around BC Play Stadium uh, for the game. We'll talk with Elks President and CEO Victor Quee about that and about what we can expect at uh, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday for the Elks home opener against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, right now though we'll talk a little football and bring in our analyst uh, Blake Dermott uh, who joins us now. Lake. And, and I imagine, like you, man, every, just surprises everybody else about what we saw on Saturday night, Blake. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it more. I, I thought, uh, okay, they gave up a first drive that, that, that looked pretty easy. BC marched down the field, and, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of press about the, their quarterback, uh, Rourke, Canadian, uh, obviously, but but forget the moniker of nationality. He just is a decent quarterback. I mean, this is a guy that put up 380 yards the last time he played the, the Elks last season. This is a kid that is a decent quarterback. And, uh, and I, again, you know, when I look at the, when I look at the end of the game, I, I, I don't know how much of it uh, is the Elks played poorly or BC played great when you, I mean, you forget, like they're, they're saying that it looked like they were throwing Skelly. I was watching uh, on the, on the broadcast and, and listening to it said, it's like they're throwing Skelly, which is in, in practice when the offense goes against the defensive backs or the receivers against defensive backs. And it just looked like it, it should be an advantage to the offense. Cause everybody knows they don't have the, the luxury of pressure and all that kind of stuff. I mean, 
Rourke was never rushed. He was never never seemed to be in any kind of trouble, and uh, and he was able to complete passes to guys that were open all over the field. <clears throat> but uh, so so obviously some breakdowns, as Chris Jones said, they had some breakdowns. But when you have five guys that have not played together in a game before, throwing into a game in a game in a position where you have to have really good teamwork. That's not unexpected. Um, but so, again, a, a part of me is, were the Elks that bad or was BC that good? And, and even in Skelly, you, you, I, I, I challenge any quarterback, even in practice, to complete 26 out of 29 passes. And that's what Rourke did. I mean, he was at 89.3 or 89.4% or something like that. Um, his percentage was, was otherworldly. Um, I mean, there's, there's probably only a handful of guys that have ever com- had that kind of completion percentage in a game in the league in, in, in its history. Um, so, I, uh, so I think that they played really, really well against an Elks team that was kind of shell-shocked. I mean, 20 new players on, that, on the field had not played, did not play with the Elks last year. I don't know what we thought was going to happen. I, I mean, we maybe we gave uh, Chris Jones an awful lot more credit than than uh, than he maybe he should have because you know we, he's he's such a good coach and his coaching staff is 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 a good group of guys and we figured that they would been been prepared. But I mean, you and I talked about this today, Morley, and uh, there was a number of players that Chris wanted to have on the field but couldn't be available because of injuries and and going forward. Like I I think and I hope. And and I and I I honestly believe this is not going to be by the halfway point of the season the way this football team is playing. Otherwise, you know, uh, there's there's going to be an awful lot of players that are gone to the roster. I think this is going to be a lot better. And obviously, when you get 59 points scored against, there's only one one way to go. But up. And, and Chris Jones is too good of a coach, especially defensively, to not get his team put together better than it is right now. Not to get, you know, he's got to get health. He's got to get the guys he wants in the lineup, but uh, he's got to get them to play as one. Uh, so th- I guess that starts moving forward, right? What kind of week do you think it's going to be at, at practice this week? I know they've already had meetings because they talked about that on the postgame show, how the, they're going to have two days of, of going over the video and getting ready to get back on the field, which will happen tomorrow. What kind of week is it going to be at practice? I imagine. I don't think. Did you ever go through a week like this? What was the worst you ever got beat in your career? And, and how how did that the next week go and the week of practice go? Well, the uh, it's funny. Rod Conniff and I were looking at uh, looking that up this year, uh, and the, the worst beating that we ever took, I think, was in 1984. Winnipeg put 54 or 55 points on us and beat us like 55 to 20. But the good thing about that was was that was the Western semi or the Western final uh, semifinal. So we didn't play again for six months. Right. So uh, I didn't have that. I, and again, we put I think 62 points on Winnipeg in 1996. Uh, the year I came out of retirement in, in a playoff game, and uh, it was you know an ice bowl kind of a game. So those kinds of games happen to good teams. This is a Winnipeg team that was in the playoffs and they got 62 points put on them. So so sometimes the stars align and and things happen that uh, that you just you have no answer for. And I think I think what happened in that game, uh, a big part of it was a lot of uh, I mentioned not playing with each other. I think came into this game with with a heightened sense of confidence, and they saw how easily BC made their, their touchdown drive, the first drive of the game. I think I started this, and the worst thing that can happen in a game is is you you start worrying about yourself and not worrying about the team, and you forget about what what's supposed to be done, and all you do is concentrate in your own position. When you do that, you're in trouble. 
And I think by the time the second half rolled around, where they, they seemed to play a little bit better, um, I think it was it was far too late. It just it just started to snowball, and nobody could stop it. But uh, but believe me, folks out there, and I was at the gym today, and I heard people say, "Oh, the team is terrible this year." They are not going to be a terrible team. This is not going to be a team that is going to be a great cup team unless you know there's some things that align. But this is a team, a work in progress, and this is a good group of a good group of coaches and a good organization, and they're going to. And by the end of the season, this is going to be a team that I think the city is going to be proud of. Yeah, this is a little different from 2014 when Chris Jones came aboard as, as head coach. I think there's not as many pieces in place for this team as he had in place for the 2014, uh, 2014 team, particularly with Mike Riley at quarterback. Uh, but it's, it's you know, and if you look back at when he went to Saskatchewan, they had a mess there, and it took him a year to clean that up. They had a pretty tough year, his first year in Saskatchewan. But the next year, market improvement, and, and they've been a playoff team ever since. So uh, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes you can get the quick turnaround from, from uh, uh, you know one off season, but sometimes you need a little bit more time, and maybe this one's going to be somewhere in the middle. Because uh, I'm I'm like you, I can't believe that they're going to be like this all season, obviously. Uh, and I think there's just too much, uh, too many good players on this team not to get better and not to be more competitive moving forward. Coaches have to get it out of them, though, right? And that's that's the next step going back to work this week. Well, you know, Marley, here's the thing. I, I think the difference between this year and last year is, is not only will Chris Jones not allow this to be the way it's going to be all year. I don't think the organization will allow it to be the way it's going to be. Um, so, so, and, and if, when you say, you know, they get too many good players, we said that all last year and they still won three games. I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Like if, if, if they are in a position where, and I remember this and, and I, I know, I know how this, this works because in 1987, 1983, when I came into the league, a long, long time ago, I came into the league. They just come off winning five games in a row, or five great cups in a row, and we were three and five at the at the halfway point of the season. That's unacceptable for for the, for the Eskimo, or at, well, at the time, the, the the Elks fans from 1983, unacceptable. And, uh, and so our practice field, we joked about it, was turned into a landing strip. There was players coming in every day. They were bringing in guys because they they knew that what they had wasn't going to be enough. And and I'm not saying that that's the case this year, but I can see if if in, if in fact this you know uh, we have another one of these kinds of floats in the near, in the near future, which I I don't believe is going to happen. Um, that's what's going the, the organization is not going to stand pat. They're going to bring in players. They're going to find players and bring them in. And uh, and by the end of the season, you know, we, we back in 1983, we made the playoffs and and uh, we we sort of recovered. Um, but but that's what I think that's the progress of what's going to happen here. When you're when you're building something, when you're cleaning up a mess, and let's be honest, there was a real mess last year. So they, he's going to clean it up. You can't start at the top when you clean up. You're usually somewhere. Uh, and hopefully you're not bouncing off the bottom, but hopefully you're you're you know at some place respectable. But this is a program that is in a position of change, and uh, and we have to be patient as fans. And and I think I think the guy that they've got in place uh, as a general manager, as a head coach, and and of course as a president, is as good a, a good a, 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 an organizational team as you're going to find in the league.
Yeah, it took a lot of years to get where we are. It's going to take uh, some time to get out of where we are uh, because. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk about some bright spots in the game. The, the, to me, when when I talk bright spots, I I mentioned uh, I really liked. I was just talking to Reed about this Darrell Walker's game. He showed you know he showed some physicality. He was he was catching footballs. He was getting yards. He was he was fighting for extra yards. I liked what I saw from Kenny Lawler in his first game. Uh, he he would have had over 100 yards if he hadn't got a, a play called back uh, due to penalty. And uh, I I thought Jalen Marshall on the punt returns. A 12-yard average on punt returns. That's something we haven't seen around this team in a long time. So there were some bright spots. Not enough to, you know, to, to really cheer everybody up. But there was something we can take out of this. Well, I think the kicking game was, was respectable in the game, too. I mean, if uh, we're, we're, you know, we're over the last maybe five years, we've always thought that the kicking game was, you know, comparable to the to the uh, the other team sort of subpar. But I, I would say that the kicking game, and we know what Sean White's like over in BC and, and uh, you know, punting and everything else, I, I think that... Uh, the kicking game was was uh, was respectable, and uh, uh, but but when you you look at the things that have to be better, um, there's a long list, um, and it can start virtually at every position on the defense. But let's let's put this into perspective. You know, you've got five new starters because you're missing Grimes and you're niece, uh, missing uh, the Thies. Uh, uh, sorry. Um, Who's the feast line. Uh, line? Exactly. Two guys that should have been started. You've got three brand new linebackers, and then the very first play, the line, uh, the will linebacker goes down Appleton, and and uh, you know so, what does that do to your defense? When right now with the first play of the game, you've got a guy gone, and then, and then the, the defensive line. I think that uh, the defensive line, every every group on that defense, is is probably looking at the mirror really hard because there was no pressure. But a lot of times. That pressure comes from from looks and disguises, and 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 if you listen to Chris Jones after the game, there were so many mistakes made, and alignment mistakes, and mistakes made in timing, and mistakes just guys not doing what they're supposed to do because they were unsure of what they're supposed to do. How does that how does that influence the the, the pressure that they were getting on on Rourke? and and then the offensive line, and when you've got one returning starter from last year, one guy in in one of the most critical positions on the field for teamwork and, and being able to work together. Uh, I think I think there was a couple guys that really struggled. I thought uh, uh, Garcia struggled. I thought uh, um, Foucault struggled. I think there was times when Kelly had some issues as well. Um, so yeah, like the, that's all got to get better. But they're also missing. They were there's a their left tackle is somebody that they wanted to have play, but he's been he's been out for the last two weeks because of sickness, because of an illness. So this is going to get better, folks. Um, I just I, and I, I hope it can really soon because uh, I, I think the organization uh, uh, the organization you know would would love to have a, a good crowd in the stands this weekend to see it. Yeah, I guess I'm not expecting wholesale changes to the lineup this week, except for maybe some healthy guys coming back in, maybe one or two tweaks. But, I mean, you, you kind of go maybe with the fact that you let the guys who made the mess kind of try and clean it up in week two? Oh, well, I think I think you, you know, hopefully the guys have done enough in the game, in the game film, the coaches and the players are watching, to earn the chance to be able to, to clean up the mess that they made. Because but sometimes you don't get that chance. You know, if you if you're a on and you're an A 
egg, maybe the last egg you lay. So I'm hoping that guys did enough and the coaches still have enough confidence that they're going to go with this group and see if they can make the corrections. Because as, as Chris Jones said, you know, in the second half, they went in there and they said, yeah, some guys made adjustments and some guys didn't. So uh, the answers became very clear where the problems were. So if that's the case, then, uh, uh, you know, then I, I'm not sure – I'm not sure that we'll, you know, three games from now, if they if they don't have a better game, that this is not going to be a, a lot of different faces on the field. Yeah. All right, Blake. Thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you on the weekend when Saskatchewan's in town. All right, Morley. Thanks a lot. Thanks. There you go. That's uh, Blake Dermott, our uh, analyst on Elks Football Riders here on Saturday. It's a 7.30 game, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Jade. We'll talk about what you might expect at that game from your spot in the stands when we talk with Elks President and CEO Victor Quee after this. Coming up next on the Elks This Week on 6.30. Chet. Now, more football talk on the Elks This Week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks. 6.30. Chad. 7.52 on 6.30, Chid. Uh, good evening, everybody. We're going to spend the last uh, five or minutes or so on the Elks this week talking with the uh, president and CEO of the Elks, Victor Quee, joins us. Hey, good evening, Victor. How you doing? Good evening, Marley. How's it going? Uh, pretty good, thank you. Uh, I know I was texting with you earlier today, and you said it uh, sounded like you're all about turning the page, right? Let the football team worry about making the corrections from last game to be better this game. Uh, let's look forward now to a home opener on Saturday against the Riders. Well, you said it much better than I actually wrote it in that text message to you. I think what I said was, my butt still hurts from that whooping, but I'm ready to get over it and get back to work. Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, that's about that's what pro sports is all about, right? Just taking the next step, getting better next time out. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny because it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, with the president CEO Elks hat on, I'm obviously sad that we didn't win it would have been great to have my you know our first game of the season come out with a win and um, it was definitely what our coaches expected what our players expected what I expected and I think you know our fans were were expecting and hoping for but of course we didn't and coach Jones understands that this is a performance driven um, organization he's going to go back to the drawing board make the corrections that he needs to and and um, get back on that winning path but on the other side of it I was really happy for BC and um, what they're doing out there because they just, um, you know, they've gone through uh, troubling years and they've been able to hold a season opener with a great atmosphere, a great concert, you know, um, attendance breaking numbers, and they get a home game win. So I think overall, net-net, that's great for the league. And that part I'm excited about. I, I don't know if you saw outside as well on, on Robson Street. They had a street party going on, which I had to walk through to get to the game, which was uh, really tremendous. They they really did a great job promoting it and had a great atmosphere set up, which brings me to my question to you now. What can we all look forward to on Saturday night when the Elks open up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at home? How different is it going to look for an Elks fan walking into a game, into a regular season game this year? Well, actually, quite quite frankly, Morley, you know, that, that's a question that I get asked a lot. But in my opinion, this is not a sprint. I'm not looking for flash in the pan, you know, magical one-game solution. That, that I don't think that that's where we need to be. We were coming off of um, difficult years post-COVID, and what we really need is a clear 
plan and strategy to give an upward trend of consistent growth game after game for the not just this season but the next season the next three years and the five years and that really is what I'm focused on now I'm not saying that we're not continually innovating and trying to to make the game more engaging for fans and deliver greater value what I'm trying to say is that um, I want to be financially responsible and prudent with how we spend our money and my my goal is long-term longevity of the team, long-term growth of the fan base, and making a stronger foundation that has been deteriorating over the last couple of years. This change is not going to happen in one game. This change is going to take time, and I have the patience to do that. And I'm, and I'm really fortunate, Morley, like the board has given us the confidence to say, look, we know you're not supposed to turn this around in one game. If you want, if you wanted me to deliver results in one game, I would just go spend and bring a major music act to our stadium and you know do that every single time and just spend a ton of money. But we, you know as well as I do, it's about making fans that love the Elks and love the Double E. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, for sure, moving forward. Uh, we look forward to it. Uh, opening night's always exciting. I know, quickly, Victor, uh, we got about a minute here. Uh, we're going to get some information about uh, the Ukraine game coming up later this week, I think. Yeah, for sure. We're going to finalize the numbers. It was pretty good. The community was great. Um, you know, I think we got such good feedback on the halftime show and um, how we integrated the community and the children. And that is, a, you know, you, to your earlier question, that's a piece that we want to continue for future games. Really embrace the community again and bring uh, youth and schools as part of everything that we're doing. Excellent. Victor, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you during the week. I'll see you on Saturday. Take care. All right. Uh, Victor Quee, the uh, president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. That's the show uh, for tonight. Uh, my thanks to Blake Dermott and to Victor and to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy, for helping put this thing together tonight. Oil Kings have scored. They're up one nothing in the first period on Seattle in Game 6. My name is Morley Scott. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning on 6.30 Ched Mornings.